This is a production of the GSD Podcast Network. And from the heart of North America, it's time to answer the burning question, what the hell does Mike Bisson do? This community economic development podcast is part of the GSD Podcast Network. And now, you know him, you love him, you like to live without him, Mike Thyssen. Time for another podcast of What the Hell Does Mike Thyssen Do? The Community Economic Development Podcast. The solutions-oriented podcast that tries hard, operative words, to stay in positive space through experiences, breaking boundaries with a wider perspective and fresh ideas. What we're really talking about is how might a community best be prepared when there's a knock on the door for growth. This episode, we'll chat a little bit about the environment, but not the environment as a whole, rather than what local communities could do in terms of their growth and their preparedness for economic development. So I want to talk a little bit about what are the challenges that communities face when it comes to to, uh, their environment and uh, when they want to do projects in terms of uh, their growth. There's a lot of projects that communities do. For instance, they repave streets or they uh, build uh, buildings that are uh, uh, community-focused, like a community center or, um, you know, various other pieces. Also, uh, when you look at community preparedness and project readiness, there's always that, uh, that, that sort of pre-work that needs to get done. A study needs to be done, or planning. Um, permits have to be in, enforced. And then when it comes to, uh, especially for federal grants, um, there's a... Uh, uh, there's, a, there's this little thing that they require called the environmental review. Um, and for that, they, they tend to probe the ground, they look at the air, they look at, at uh, whether or not the project itself will be environmentally sound. So that's the kind of pieces that we're looking at, whether it's a new building or infrastructure. Some communities experience businesses that think storm drainage is the best way to get rid of waste or water that is not clean. That's been known to happen. Um, not going to say name names or, or anything like that, but it has been known to happen. But there are also good businesses out there for one reason or another. They close and they leave a footprint behind that's not so clean. So communities face empty buildings, which in terms of gas stations, dry cleaners, factories, even downtown buildings, um, and some of those buildings have absentee landlords, landlords that don't live in the community that would rather look at those buildings just sign a sit there rather than uh, uh, have repurposing. Um, and so uh, when communities are faced with these kind of buildings, what can be done? Um, mitigation is expensive, but I'm also, uh, I've learned through, from time to time that there are solutions out there uh, that can turn a building like that into uh, what we call a green space uh, to where uh, a firm can come in and, for instance, with a gas station, take the gas tanks out of the ground and uh, uh, decontaminate the soil that's underneath or for dry cleaners too. There's a lot of chemicals that are involved with dry cleaning. Um, So those footprints need to be uh, sort of mitigated and environmentally sound. So uh, I I figured I'd uh, invite someone in who's an expert at this kind of uh, business, want to uh, uh, introduce him. Uh, He's Darren Reese. He's the CEO of the Sesco Group, which is an environmental firm uh, that does national work in, in this regard. Also, they do uh, insurance work, too, so I'll let Darren uh, uh, take that from there and uh, sort of introduce himself. Um, I will say this is that, da- in full disclosure, that Darren is a, uh, a fall-away economic development guy who just landed, somehow landed uh, himself in an environmental firm, 
uh, because uh, this is one firm that gets sort of the community economic development landscape, and we're glad to have them. So, Darren, uh, I'll ask you with my first question. Uh, look, why don't you give a quick background of who you are and how you landed in the position you had, and then talk a little bit about your company. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me along. I'm loving the podcast, by the way. Thank That's you. just really cool Cool what you're doing there. Yeah, Sesco Group, um, like on our on our Twitter and on our Facebook, where we're a little bit more tongue-in-cheek, we like to say that, you know, we're scientists, geologists, engineers, adventurers, and environmental experts. Ooh, adventurers. Yes, adventurers it is always there, such that, yeah, and I've kind of fallen into the adventurer as such as, it's fair to say that I come from the world of workforce, community, economic, and property development, so that... Uh, I have always found it that the environmental firms get in the way right. uh, and start to slow down projects and scare the heck out of people. And I did mention before that you're a fall-away economic developer. Yeah, yeah, I'm recovering. You're, I'm you're recovering. recovering. That was it, a recovering yeah, yeah. economic developer who uh, happened to fall into an environmental group. Right, so. right. Yeah, so yeah, I came in as the uh, as the VP of Redevelopment Services and Government Relations and ended up getting the worst title in the whole darn shop. So, Which is CEO. Which is CEO and president, but... Man, what a ride. Uh, Sesco itself is, is pushing 25 years old. Uh, our headquarters is in Indianapolis, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, invite anyone to come to sescogroup.com to see how all of our team works out and where we are and what we do. Um, but right. a little you're, less antiseptic. So real quick, you're Here based in Indianapolis, but your work carries national. Oh sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We do a okay. lot of uh, a lot of EPA work. We do every state and every community may be a little bit more specialized, but that's our job, okay. you know, to figure out exactly how we can provide the solutions and and give the confidence back to the folks that are in these circumstances. I mean, you know, Michael, these the folks that we deal with are for the most part in situations that they don't they don't want to talk about. And I get it. You know, if we're dealing with a sole proprietor that has maybe a machine shop and or a, you know a couple of gas stations or a gas station, this is what they got. You know, I mean, this is their familial wealth that's tied up into tied up into these pieces of ground that they've got to think about transitioning on to another buyer or another operator or, or someone else in their family and doing it in a way that isn't going to carry a liability that that will be you know sometimes in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. And then on the other side, you know, we work with some with some fantastic Fortune 500 companies that uh, this is very uh, uh, antiseptic in the way that we do the work that we do. And but you know that that's again, it's our job to put people at ease and give them peace of mind about these regulations or these potential issues that they have to get around from the regulatory agencies that may be breathing down their neck. Right. So if if I may ask the um, so you know you mentioned that you know. People don't want to talk about, you know, say like if they own a gas station. So chances are those folks kind of walk away and then you have an abandoned gas station in your community. Yeah. So what happens there? And that's where it turns. You know, we do, because especially with a lot of my background in the public sector, I I say this in a way that doesn't mean anything other than what it, I guess what it means. I can speak mayor, you know, and... I can understand what, you know, the political ramifications are of these things and, and help communities through this um, as I've been in that. I mean, that's kind of how I got to know this part of the part of the field and that I was trying to get rid of these things, too, in the communities that I served. Um, yeah, sometimes people walk away. And who's left to deal with it other than, you know, the, the group that is investing in the community, which is primarily the community itself. Right. 
So we can, we've got some tools that we use, and again, each state's a little different, but uh, we can find ways primarily, like, uh, like here in Indiana, we can, we can use uh, insurance recovery as a tool. There's a few other states across the country that, that are very well served by that. If not, you know, there's folks, you know, like in Kentucky that has very robust publicly funded programs at the state level to be able to rehabilitate these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, again, kind of up to us to find that right solution, either for someone that's getting ready to walk away from a property or a community that has ended up in, in possession of a property mm-hmm. um, inadvertently, you know, if you will. That's, an, that's another thing. I guess, you know, people might feel a little shameful about a circumstance. They might feel like they're being judged or something like that. For the most part, this, the stuff we deal with isn't always Aaron Brockovich level sort of corporate greed stuff. It's, it's people that are making a living. It's people that are making a living in a way that they, they could and will, uh, um, they, they didn't mean to leave the earth in a, in a worse state than they found it. So we'll help them through that without, you know, causing any sort of extra pain. And it's really cool to work with communities because they have the ability to say, you know, it's the right thing to do. You know, it's, it's the right thing to take a piece of property that without their help and our help would, you know, be stigmatized, wouldn't be able to create more assessed value, wouldn't potentially be able to create new business, new jobs on that property. Yeah, we can get through those hurdles. Cool. And let me widen the scope a little bit. Um, you know, we hear the term, especially in the Midwest, uh, called Rust Belt. And uh, that pertains to, you know, empty factories and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the manufacturers of old. And yeah. uh, do you do any work with, you know, uh, reclaiming that kind of property, the, the burned-out factory that will always just sit there? Or? All day. All day. Those are, those are some of the most fun. Um, because even from that or to the corner gas station, there's a reason that those properties were built there. And, you know, you as an economic developer and community developer understand that those transportation routes are still good. You know, the, the property that these um, uh, facilities are, are sitting on is still good. Mm-hmm. You know, but for that, you know, condemned or abandoned property, someone would build probably something like that there if they could. So that could mean a, oh, an updated facility that would create more opportunity for the communities that they sit in. Uh, but sure, you know, we do deep dives into the, the history, uh, to the ownership chain, and to those who have leased the facility, uh, worked in the facility, just to try to nibble away at the um, you know, potential funding sources to be able to get the property back to a place where it could be developable. Now, it's also very important for us to work with the community developers and economic developers of the area along with those that are elected to be able to achieve it because it's sometimes takes a long time uh it often has a lot of uh, emotions that uh, community ties to a factory that might have employed a couple of a few generations of people and you know some folks are happy to be there and cheer it when it gets torn down some of them are sad and crying and um being able to walk through all that is is pretty broad strokes, but yeah, we're willing to we're willing to walk in those shoes. Cool, cool. So earlier you mentioned about um, insurance reclaiming. How's you? I guess that's one piece that I'm not necessarily familiar with. What what exactly does that entail, and what? Sure. Uh, for example, in Indiana and a couple other states, there's there's 
certain aspects of a general liability policy that are um, usable under the right circumstance to be able to eliminate future liability for property owners. Um, and without making our listeners decide to put you know sandpaper on their eyes, um, we'd be happy to walk through this. We've been doing it you know, since the late 90s. Uh, of being able to to make a claim on an insurance policy, even if that policy is very old, to be able to limit that liability going forward. So we're not talking about policy. We're, you're not talking about property policies. Uh, we're you know the big kind of trip and fall policies. Um, we work with a, a multitude of law firms. Uh, you know, some much more closely than others, but at the same time, we like to respect the tenor of the client that we work with, uh, just as all of the law firms that we work with work with other environmental uh, agencies, we, we do the same. But So it's about being able to put the team together with the right brain trust uh, for the right political climate for each particular project. Uh, and, you know, we think we've got a pretty good, pretty good way to do that all across the, all across the area. Cool. So is that... Is that um a rough grade sandpaper or fine grade sandpaper that you know people are doing with their eyes. It, it depends on your style, man. Okay, it could be right. it could I, be whatever. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I can't get that image out of my head. No, you know, no, that that's feeling, it. You know, if I if I put sandpaper across my eyes, you know, I think a corneal abrasion will happen. And no, uh, I get well. You know what? There's probably you know some of the listeners that would love to get into the get into the weeds in this. But, and you know, and I told you an example of one of the attorneys that we work with is just brilliant. He's written a couple of books on this stuff. I'm like, man, if there's if there's a way that I'm not getting to sleep, I'll just start reading one of those books. Yeah, I mean, why why go to pharmaceuticals when you have books oh, like man, that? Oh man, I know, right? So, um, it's all I, you know, Bible print, 500 page books, and yep. legalese. I'm like, oh yeah, that's neat. Let me read about insurance. Yep. Yeah. But the good thing is we've got the tools to be able to provide the results. Yes. Well, and you've already you know bled your eyes out with that. Anyway. Oh yeah. I, I can reminisce a little bit. Um, my wife's grandmother wrote a book called Salt. Oh yeah. That's all it is. Just about salt. Okay. And, uh, it's like out of print or whatever, but uh, that just kind of stuck with me. Um, you know. Well, it sounds like you got another campaign to go on. Yeah, you got to find there, that. Yeah. And start to get that on your merch page, man. Yeah. You know, or uh, you know, I think Gandhi kind of took care of that piece <laughs> with, with that. But that's right, kids. Got to look it up in the history books about that's what right. Gandhi did with salt. There you go. Um, so, um, reeling it back into the communities real quick. Yeah. Um, talk about maybe some. Uh, I keep thinking about sort of the solutions-oriented pieces to where, you know, is there a way that city councils or, or cities and towns can put things on the books like ordinances or is there other kind of preventative ways that cities can look at this and go, hey, we have an ordinance that says this business or this person has to do X. Not to, not to cave in on their, on their business practices, but... No, not at all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go a, a little little around your question there to say that there's some <laughs> there's some there's some really cool stuff that's happening across the country right now with the terms uh, related to like climate resilience mm-hmm. um, which is you know for all lack of a better term code about leaving the the assets of the planet better than you found it um, you now there's cities in Indiana that have adopted bee friendly policies so that pollination and local wildflowers are are doing that a lot of there's earth charter indiana uh, is just doing some fantastic stuff with that uh the whole entire state of michigan 
have gone through and funded uh, community planning processes that integrate, um, you know, carbon awareness and what sort of footprint we're putting into, you know, the work that we do um, into just all of their comprehensive master plans across the state. Uh, we've got states that we work in where those words are fighting words, you know. I mean, yep. so we don't uh, we don't push that, but that is kind of the crossroads of my community development passion and this environmental remediation passion to where it does make business sense and sense for you know future generations. I, you know, Michael, we sit here with a little bit of gray in our hair and you know, a lot of time under our belt, but. I, I liken the way that climate resilience will be an issue not unlike the way that, uh, you know, the 60s changed the way that we look at color. Mm-hmm. We're not done. I mean, we've got a long way to go, obviously. But I, I am pretty certain that anybody under 15 years old right now, you know, turning off a light switch when they leave a room is normal. You know, wondering about where their trash goes is just normal. Where that's things that those of us that grew up with a, a, almost a, a rational abundance approach to, well, we'll always have a place to throw our plastic. We'll always have a place to, you know, there always will be power. There always will be gasoline. There always will be, you know, all that stuff where we really didn't think about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not slamming that. It was the right thing to do at the time. We didn't know any better. Right. But if you want to present your community in a way, you want to present your workplace in a way, um, to where you want the top talent that's coming out of schools over the next 15 to 20 years and beyond, you better be thinking about that. You better get your community in line. You better get your business in line because it's going to be, it's just going to be like having walls. It's just part of the deal. Right. Well, when you're talking about the grand scope of economic development, what are we talking about? Talent attraction. Exactly. And, you know, you got to... You know, when we talk about community pre- preparedness, that's what we're talking about: mm-hmm. is our labor force and attracting our next generation of workforce. Right, right. I don't see that happening I, in, in a lot of communities. So. No, it, it's not. It's starting to happen in some, but I'm, I, can, oh, I'm not smart enough to see a lot of waves coming or getting the right thing right all the time. But man, this is a thing. This is it. It's done. Uh, huh. As we sit here, this is done. What are we going to do about it? going forward now at the same time that's not me on an environmentalist soapbox right i just i'm not putting a, i'm not placing a blame i'm not saying that i'm just saying this is just the way it's going to be uh we're aware the the light is on we have awoken uh and we will be leading the leading the world in that which is pretty cool sure so but at the same time we got to make money we got to create jobs we got to you know, create the opportunity for people to pay taxes so that we can have better roads and, and infrastructure. So we can't just not change the planet from time to time, but we got to be wise about it. We can't be over overreaching with it. So in some ways, with the tax dollars, there's not it's not a wasteful tax dollar term for me. It's more, you know, what are we doing to invest mm-hmm. in our future? Those are investment dollars. Absolutely. When you think about that. If we sat down today... And in the even in the current state that we're in, let's just put ourselves back in the 40s and 50s and say, well, we're going to create a, an infrastructure highway system across our country, and we're going to spend a gazillion dollars to do it. Everyone would say no. Not just because of, you know, a tree here or a bat there or a bird there, but it's right. just because we just haven't, we have taken it for granted that the, 
the investment that we've made in our country to make ourselves so successful has to be reinvested. So, I mean, that's come to light in many ways, and I'm getting way into engineered sort of stuff at this point, but, uh, I mean, that's... I am an optimist when it comes to what we're doing as a country and what we're going to be able to do, and I just think this is just part of it. I mean, why not make it better if we can? No, it's true, and it's always... You know, you got to stay in that positive space, and, you know, for the purpose of this podcast, it's always been uh, my goal to be solutions-oriented Yeah, in some ways. So... Uh, with, with that in mind, though, do you do you have any kind? Are you aware of any kind of program or any kind of grant opportunity that communities might be able to take advantage of? Absolutely. In terms of um, uh, uh, either brownfield mitigation or something like that, or there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, each state has some sort of a, a brownfield remediation program. Uh, the EPA has a significant amount of dollars to go out and help identify where situations may be and then uh, you know redevelopment could occur on a case-by-case basis with those um, with that said I'm, I'm fine with grants not a huge fan of grants just kind of in general because I think that only gets you so far I think you need to have a sustainable plan a you know a business plan if you will and if you can incorporate a grant into that great um, if you can't I don't think that's the uh, I don't think that's the end goal uh, just to identify where issues may be. Um, you know, for one, don't ever want to put anyone into a circumstance unnecessarily where a regulation or a regulator is going to get on them. Uh, we want to ease that into, if not ever, occur. Um, so I think there's there's a little bit of misinformation out there, especially when related to the, you know, the big EPA assessment grants that go around. It's like it's some sort of uh, solution. It's It's not. It's a piece. But there, there is money out there. I mean, heck, nobody wants to spend money on this stuff. I get it. I didn't. <laughs> so right. if there's if there's a way to get a phase one or a phase two paid for on a real estate deal, get it done. Right. Or, Absolutely. You know, even in terms of planning. You know, oh, there yeah. There are planning grants out there. And, you know, to me, that's where it's a good use of, of, of perhaps grant dollars because that gives you the, the roadmap. Yeah. Um, I also know that if you look under certain rocks from certain uh, agencies or, or givers, even the mm-hmm. nonprofit world, you might find some of that environmental uh, mitigation money. I know that uh, HUD sometimes in some states mm-hmm. carries a, a brownfield program. I think that's through HUD. Yep. Um, and a few other uh, entities. So yeah. um, I also know USDA sometimes tends to play in that ball field. Too, yeah. So. Let there be no doubt that even though, you know, the EPA gets a lot of grief for arguably, you know, psychologically trying to stifle uh, business growth and, and development of our natural resources, um, I you know they're doing the right thing by trying to be uh, conservative with that. But they also know, you know, the same tenets that I'm talking about. They they want people to have jobs. Mm-hmm. They want communities to thrive, and as does most of the government. I I'm not a believer that the government's out to to kill us right. or anything right. like that. So um, you know, from that perspective, there are. And you There's get no down to foil hats here. No, me. no, no, not yet. I think that's season two, right? Yes. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, Wait, there's a season two? Yeah, sure, right? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that would be you know the aluminum hat recycling program. We yes. can talk about that. That's right. <laughs> but, that's right. Yeah. Um, you look down even to community foundations. Yeah. Uh, you know whether they be public foundations that the community bands together to put themselves together, or mm-hmm. private foundations that 
you know, those that have had, you know, significant success go back in. They'll, everybody gets it. It's how you phrase it. And it, it's where you're going with the project. Um, and that, you know, if you will, you know, make as, as many jokes as nobody wants to talk to the environmental guy or gal. I get that. Like I said, I've been there, done that. Talk to the environmental guy or gal. Uh, developers out there, if you're listening, communities out there, if you're listening, don't act like it's going to just not show up someday. Look, this stuff is, like it or not, become as important as title work. Yeah. You know, it's gonna, you're going to get found out if you're trying to hide something. Right. It's kind of so, like an unpaid bill that you've let sit fester there for a while, right? It is. It is. You just know. You know, too many people's groundwater's been impacted. Too many people's air quality's been impacted. It's not a killer for most deals. Uh, there are solutions to this. I mean, we talk, I talked through some of the private side sort of solutions. Michael's mentioned some of the public side sort of solutions. There can be a whole rallying team of people that want to find the money to get a project done if it's a good project. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to talk to the environmental people. I mean, I would obviously suggest you talk to me, but talk to your environmental people. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, and, um, you know, in... in you know, at the uh, uh, every episode will have a link to uh, some of these resources. Yeah, and I want to make sure that uh, folks know that after this episode, you can always look up on the website, um, and we'll have a link to, to Darren and, and uh, his uh, what he's mentioned in, uh, in terms of uh, environmental mitigation. I might throw up a couple of links to brownfield uh, mitigation in certain oh, states. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know uh, you mentioned community foundations. I know Nebraska has been doing some activity yeah. uh, with that, and. Um, so that so so that's good. That's yeah. good. So there's there's nobody not aware. There's nobody not in some fashion playing ball. It just depends on at least in the U.S. and it's been cool. We've had actually some practitioners from from uh, Asia come over. Oh, we cool. had a couple of guys spend a month with us, and they're like looking at the way that we do things and sure. trying to go back and be advocates for them. And So what you should do is call the guys up at Asia and say, listen to this podcast. I think I might. And then have them talk to their friends right? and say, oh, here, listen to this podcast because this is what's cooking right now. That's all right. Chuck, and, Tant, hope you're listening. Yeah, good deal. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so uh, what, what do you, uh, as an environmental guy, I assume that you like the outdoors and you like to... Sure, man. I like, I like to drive my so, car outside. I like to race motocross once yeah. upon a time and... So trees, what, um, trees are nice. So, so if you were to go on vacation, <laughs> what's the place from vacation that you that you would go to? Um, it's some place usually that would require some sort of climate controlled um, uh, beverage delivery system. Oh, okay. In abundance. <laughs> I thought for a second you said climate control. I'm thinking, okay, where's he going with this? So, so usually someplace warm with uh, you know you happy people that have. Uh, uh, the ability to unwind. And so, so I picture you in one of those Corona commercials. <laughs> Could be. Okay. Could be. I don't. Uh, I appreciate the view, but I don't usually sit on the beach. Okay. But yeah. Um, mountains or anything <laughs> like that? Just oh like, my gosh! Yeah, I went out to Colorado last year. Uh-huh. Um, spent a week in Telluride. It was arguably life changing. It's oh, good. just. It's just stunning. Colorado does that to you. Yeah, that's you what know. I hear. That's why I left. <laughs> I was nervous. Why? I don't, I'm scared to. That if I go back, I'd never leave. Well, I, I, I left before the big growth spurt happened. I yeah. To, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I do want to go back eventually, but that Colorado now is not the Colorado I grew up in. I grew up in rural Colorado, sure. but now it's suburbia. Yeah. I mean, it's overtaken by 
the whole front range is overtaken by yeah. neighborhoods. And it's like the words out. Planned communities. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we talk about the environment. There's a lot of pollution. Yeah. There always has been, but now there's even more. And mm-hmm. we wait for one of those Chinook winds to come off the mountains to blow it all out of there. But yeah. Um, but again, you know, I wanted to talk about the environment, but not that environment. No, but, you know. no, no. That's but I fine. guess I guess what I've learned from this uh, from this uh, talk is, you know, no matter what, I can't seem to escape the the bigger picture environment. Even when, you know, a mayor's looking out of his office at the abandoned uh, gas station across the street and say, yeah. you know, I got to do something about that. That's a good point. You know, that immediacy, that that thorn in your side. When you look at that, what could be, um, even if it would turn into a little park for a yeah. community. Um, what it just, yeah, I hate to see something that could be better than what it is. And nothing really exemplifies that more than what, you know, and environmentally impacted, you know, psychologically or really, uh, site would do. Uh, and, and then you look at, you know, what, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this for Colorado. You know, we're doing this so we can go have a beverage on a beach. Uh, we're doing this so our kids can and our grandkids can. Isn't that what we should be doing? Yeah. I mean, it's true. Uh, so how bad is that? So, okay, there's my uh, there's my peacenik coming out a little bit there. And no, that's all right. I from mean, the, from, the, from, the, from the private sector side of environmental remediation. No, no, that's good. That's good. Anything else you want to add before I go into what am I on? Gosh, no. I... I I just can't resist the joke that we just talked about Colorado and you're about to make a what you're high on. Yeah. <laughs> that really dovetails into this. Yeah, it so. does. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really. So, um, well, Darren, thank you so much for, for swinging by and talking to us a little bit about the environment. Um, this, well, thanks uh, for the opportunity. Yeah, Mike. no problem. I'd love to have you on in future episodes if I don't get kicked out of the building. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, <laughs> this was Darren Reese, uh, CEO of the Sesco Group. Um, what's your Twitter uh, uh, handle? It's uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Sesco, which is S E S C O underscore Monitor. Um, so that's uh, somebody already had Sesco. Couldn't believe that, but yeah. Sesco Monitor there. Um, and uh, yeah, you can certainly find us on the web at sescogroup.com. Great, great, and we'll have that on the on the website too. And, great. Uh, you know, my Twitter handle is WTH Mike Thyssen. Uh, feel free to uh, send me comments. Uh, I appreciate the comments so far. Um, also, uh, to uh, make sure that uh, you, uh, if you're a community, uh, I'd love to have a community mug because I like to mug with a mug. Um, uh, I'll be uh, uh, doing that on Instagram uh, soon. So uh, if you have a mug, send it, send it to, uh, send it to me or, or tweet me, and uh, I'll send you some information uh, with that. Um, so uh, I'm going to move to what I'm high on. Um, in in the in the theme uh, with the environment, I'm I'm really kind of high on the alternative energy uh, approaches to things. Um, I've lately been driving on some interstates to where they I see a, a, a much more of an arraignment of of um, uh, solar panel monitors. I keep reading some articles on that. Um, I see a lot of more, a lot more wind farms. There's a huge wind farm in North, Northeast Colorado. Um, Iowa's really uh, heavy on wind. Um, I think Northern Indiana's got a couple of uh, massive wind arrays, and uh, I am, I'm curious as to how much power that generates, and, and uh, whether or not you know that that might work uh, that might work out there. Um, I'm also uh, high on the uh, the fact that we can look at a brownfield and turn it into a greenfield. 
Um, I'm going to take an example of a riverfront city uh, that had a silo, a grain silo, uh, to load up on barges for the river and everything, and uh, it, it, it uh, extended its, uh, its useful life, and uh, the city wanted to uh, uh, tear it down and then put in a park. Um, but obviously there was some uh, environmental concerns with that, and uh, so they got a they got a grant from uh, from uh, 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 from the housing and urban development uh, folks, and uh, they they managed to tear down this grain silo, found a couple surprises um, with it, but uh, it got all cleaned up, and now they have a nice amphitheater park that overlooks the river, and it's uh, it's a it's a place where the community is coming out now and uh, going to concerts every every weekend evening, and when it's nice and warm or uh, they've turned it into a little bit of a winter carnival when, when the snows come. So uh, I'm really high on communities that really think ahead on that, that uh, take a look at that sort of riverfront asset and look at it and go, you know, we could do a lot better and build a community asset that brings the community out and uh, make it uh, not just for the community, but make it a, make it a destination for, for those outside the community uh, to come and, and, you know, listen to a, a concert and uh, they also partnered with uh, uh, a local housing authority to uh, turn an uh, apartment into a, uh, an old uh, warehouse into a mixed-use building. Uh, so there's some uh, apartments there. There's some ground floor. Um, there's some ground floor uh, businesses uh, that cater to those crowds that come and and uh, watch the riverfront. It's really transformed uh, their community and really put them into uh, an, into a good and bright future. So. Uh, that's what I'm how well, that's what I'm high on. Um, so uh, wanted to uh, end our podcast with uh, uh, re- redoing the, the the Twitter handles again. Uh, remember that's uh, reach out to uh, Darren through the Sesco Monitor S E S C O underscore Monitor. That's on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is W T H Mike Thyssen. Uh, wanted to uh, also thank our producers Amy Moore and Bill Stein. Check out their podcast in the EdTech world. Uh, it's called Control Art Delete, uh, part of our family of uh, GSD uh, podcasts. And uh, with that, uh, signing off for now. Thank you. And now we know what the hell Mike Griffin does. Jason Burton. Jason Burton, you're my hero.